0: The last time I saw a body like yours, you know, I was burying it in my basement. back Andy. Thank you sir.
1: Uh, of course I'm talking to Andy Shaw. Uh, he hosts absolutely no podcast but uh, <laughs> for some reason uh, we all have him on our shows. I'm uh, America's house guest of podcasts. Yeah so. you do. it well it's because you do a fabulous job and we all want to. Oh good boy
0: yeah. the pressure's on now.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I try to like put somebody under the under the scope to see how they handle like uh, the heat, <laughs> you know. Should I get one of the, the lights that the cops use in an interrogation room or something? Or? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, yeah, you want to paint the picture? We're outside. We are
0: outside. Uh, although we got your uh, I think neighbors going. Yeah, I wonder here. if they're going to get picked up here. Yeah, they
1: are. <laughs> brand new neighbors. They got a, a lovely little daughter over there, so they might be uh, picked up. But to me, that's the ambiance. Mm. You know what I mean, it's it's a beautiful Minnesota evening, right? That's right. We got a big
0: German Shepherd over in the next yard. Is it, a, it's it looks a, like
1: a German shepherd. I'm no, pretty you know, sure it's 100% wolf.
0: it <laughs> uh, Looks like it's bigger than me.
1: <laughs> uh, he's a good boy. His name is uh, um, Shogun. Shogun. Okay, yep. nice. Uh-huh. Also new neighbors. By the way, in the last year, I got new neighbors on both sides. Wow. Was it something I did after the last 15 years? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, well, 15 years of Baco is enough. They both like Chewbacca. Chewbacco, yes. Uh, Thank you, Eric Miller, for that. Uh, Well, I brought you back because uh, when we first had you on, we were talking about the Melvins uh, record. Was it Bullfrog? Bullhead? Bullhead. Yes. Great that I can't really remember that. But uh, um, I was just getting the things off the ground, and and you agreed to do a record that you really hadn't heard too much. I I felt obligated. It's like, you know what? If there's anything on the list that you would like to do, it's yours, and you pick this. Yes. And what tell us what it is. We picked the single soundtrack from 1992. Yeah, coming in at number 19, 19. on the Rolling Stones' uh, Greatest grunge Jobs of All Time. Um, you also brought gifts again, so thank yes. you. Um, so now this is kind of almost themed for the show. Yes. Yeah, it's okay. got plaid. Oh, I didn't even it realize that. It is the artwork, that. yeah. Oh. So it's called Plaid Bikini from a local uh, brewer called Udapels. Now... Do you have a personal connection to these guys? or I
0: do. Uh, my son played baseball with one of, the, uh, one of the owner's sons. So I got to hear about the entire process of how they were uh, building it from the ground up. I think the season was over before he opened up, but uh, I got to hear all about it. And uh, it's fascinating, you know, the inner workings of how to start a brewery in uh, Minnesota.
1: Maybe that should be the theme of your podcast that you'll oh, eventually start, like yeah. uh, How to Start a Brewery, Episode 1. Nice. Oh, and they yes. just get in different guys and, you know.
0: Well, one nice thing about the Twin Cities is we have enough of these damn brew pubs. And, For now. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think COVID might take a handful yeah. of them down. Uh, That's true. Probably nationwide, too, yeah. I mm. actually thought the bubble was about to burst anyway. I mean, these things are popping up goddamn everywhere. Yes. Um, and at, at a certain point, something that becomes actually really cool becomes a trend, and then it becomes unfashionable, and then it becomes, <laughs> you know, uh, what? Is, so the, the, the stalwarts will stick around. I think we'll always have Summit and probably Surly. Yes. Um,
0: we and, need more Gene Vogel's in the world to drink from yeah, all well, these uh,
1: microbreweries. Uh, Gene Vogel might drink enough of this stuff that he can keep them all in business. Uh,
0: uh, he's on the, uh, the Where's Beard on oh, yeah. Facebook group every weekend with yeah. a new, uh, new six-pack Every weekend?
1: Every night? Well,
0: okay, very uh, true.
1: I mean, that guy is wasted all the time.
0: Uh, I don't want to cast any dispersion, but I think oh, you might be right.
1: I, was that a dispersion? Uh, sure. I, I think it's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, who doesn't want to get drunk every day?
0: Uh, a yeah. good point. Anyway, sir.
1: let me uh, let me open the sucker up here. Uh, mm. uh, it sounds like something that uh, I, w- I would say I'm going to hate. <laughs> Cheers. You know what? Not, not too bad of an aroma. No. I think I think I'm going to be okay. I think I won't die. It's not a. This.
0: It's not a mango blueberry porter <laughs> with uh, extra uh. hops.
1: Mm. <sighs> you know, that's um. We haven't done a, a beer review in a while on the show um that's not bad what's the alcohol level on this thing sure. oh there we go 5.2 five, five yeah yeah i'm fucked um so uh <laughs> but uh, uh well uh, cheers mr Shaw. cheers sir. thank you uh thank you for the uh the gift um it's uh which is odd i really should be paying you you're uh you're the one that, that made the trip so uh anyway yeah we're in my backyard it's my first po- ever time podcasting outside uh yes. yours
0: uh, uh indeed Yes, my I think my I virgin have, time.
1: I might have tried. Li- I've done live interviews at like at concerts and stuff. Yeah, but I don't and think that rock really and counts. pod. Yeah, what well, that was indoors. the True, true. Um, although at uh, no at Camaro's place, he supposedly had this thing recording the whole time, but never heard any of it. Insert Aaron Camaro laugh here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's up next. By the way, oh yeah, he's after you. We're doing the uh, Mad season. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh-oh. Uh, for those who are trying to stay off the uh, internet and not uh, <laughs> not find out what's next, but um. the two year old list
0: from Rolling Stone, yes. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's it. Well, we've covered it before. It's out there, people. Uh, but yeah, but maybe if someone is listening. You know what I mean? If someone who's like. I am not going to look down this list. I want to find out what's next as these come out. And then they get really pissed off because it goes from Ron Keel interview to two (laughs) episodes of Kiss Hot (laughs) in the Shade. It's like, when am I going to find out what's next? I thought this was every other week.
0: I don't want to hear about Loose Cannon's dental work.
1: Come on, (laughs) man. Let's go.
0: I'm looking for single soundtrack.
1: Oh, well, let's get into it a little bit. Um, So it was released on June 30th, 1992, which was almost uh, at least two months before the movie came out, in September? Uh, came out in
0: late September, yeah. so three months before.
1: Now, was that common? I don't recall. The soundtracks being out like months ahead of a movie?
0: Uh, actually, I saw an interview in Rolling Stone with Cameron Crowe when they had the 25th anniversary uh, in 2017. And, uh, yeah, he said that was not the uh, normal business practice. You release the movie and the soundtrack usually was a, you know, came a week or two behind it.
1: Okay. To kind of generate yeah. the buzz. Okay. So yes, you are correct about what well, Did he for explain, was there, <laughs> <laughs> was there a reason why? Did he give that at all?
0: Uh, I think they wanted to build the buzz with the album. Now, a
1: little bit of... Uh, they had you, seen the movie and like, yeah, we need to get people interested in this.
0: <laughs> well, no, here's the thing. This uh, Singles was, uh, was filmed between March and May of 1991. Hmm. So Warner Brothers, whoever this was, sat on it for a year. Because you think about it, in uh so they rap in you know may of 91 well where was nirvana and soundgarden and allison chains at that point i mean they were still pretty minor league bands i mean you had man in the box for allison chains that had already come out the year before hmm. but you know it wasn't uh you know it wasn't blockbuster
1: well now you're making it seem like the the whole seattle scene was a bit of a like i don't know um a George Soros conspiracy, <laughs> like this was some kind of like Deep State music industry plan. Deep Six, plan. Yeah, Deep Deep six. six compilation. Um, to make Seattle, uh, to make Starbucks a lot of money. <laughs> there uh, we go. And to, to rebrand Seattle as a place to visit and not a place to leave.
0: Uh, good point, good point. But no, uh, the movie uh, studio just sat on it because they didn't know what the hell to do with this thing. There wasn't a. I really Seattle... wanted to
1: flesh out this conspiracy more. I'm sorry. Carry on. All right,
0: you know there wasn't uh, there wasn't a Seattle scene as, as of this point, <laughs> as far as the mainstream media was concerned. So they sat on it, and you know it just so happened in the fall of '91 is when you know Nirvana kicked it off, and then Soundgarden came in and Pearl Jam. Well, you and... know
1: Bruce Pavitt mentioned that when I talked to him that like yep. in his mind things were already happening before Nevermind. And it was basically, you know, they all knew, right. you know, and they they actually almost look at Nevermind as like the end.
0: Uh, I mean, from would, from
1: from a scene point,
0: yes, yes, kind of. It was like,
1: definitely the birth for the rest of the nation. Right but from from you know someone from like him local. who was in uh, Seattle I was like, yeah, it was this great thing, and then Nirvana happened, and then it was basically <laughs> toast.
0: And then fourteen year old girls were going to Hot Topic and buying
1: Nirvana T shirts, right? Yeah, that you know that well, what happened was is uh, Hot Chicks started dressing. Not hot, which really disappointed <laughs> Brett Michaels. I don't know if you know this, but Brett Michaels has actually been dead since about '94. Well, his hair certainly has. Been, well, yeah, uh, um, he is a zombie. <laughs> he just puts a lot of makeup on. Yeah, there's a. Okay, there's I can a,
0: I can go with that. Theory. There's a
1: documentary that uh, a band Jesus Christ, put together on it years ago called Brett Michaels Ghost Zombie. Um, I encourage anybody to go to the internet right now. Go to YouTube. Type in Brett Michaels Ghost Zombie and all will be explained. The way I heard it, it's the ghost of Bret Michaels. He's back from the grave and seeking revenge. I don't think he's dead. He blames his band for all of his failed relationships, and now he's taking out his revenge by brutally murdering other bands. I'm pretty sure he's still alive. I heard he wraps his headband around your arm so tight your arm falls off. Then he uses your arms as drumsticks. And your fingernails as guitar picks. Guys, He's not dead. Do the math, Trev. He's been crushed by a stage prop, had an aneurysm, a brain hemorrhage. What is this guy, Superman? People don't survive those things. You can't kill something that's not alive. Christ's sakes, he had a warning stroke. What the hell is a warning stroke? Plus, he's got diabetes. Diabetes, Trev. Diabetes.
2: Holy shit! It's like I've been deaf my whole life. And now I'm seeing for the first time.
1: But, yeah, Brett Michaels was just, because he's like, I'm used to, like, strippers and yes. hot chicks. Not like, I can't tell if she's got big boobs or not <laughs> based on the flannel. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's coming through, but my cat cap <laughs> is in the background here. He's wanting to get out, but... So yeah, uh, everything is explained in there. You find out like why, how we know he's dead, okay. and things of that nature. We we offer evidence, and, and well,
0: I haven't seen the scalp since nineteen ninety four, so I might, uh, I think you might be onto something.
1: Yeah, okay, um, but yeah, so the the movie came out a couple months after the soundtrack. I heard the soundtrack probably before, definitely before it came out. I was working at a college radio station, K R P R, in Rochester, okay, and uh, and we never got cool advances. You know, like we got, I think we got Nirvana Nevermind about two months after the album broke. Oh, not like when before it came out. So we had, you know, the idea this thing that was in my hand is like now I'm like, I know all these bands, these are all my new artists Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, you know, Allison Chains, and and Wood being the lead single was was killer too. Yep. So, um, yeah, I got to hear it that way. Ended up, uh, I think I stole the CD from the radio station. (laughs) I was there the day it arrived, so nobody knew. And I would just bring it in and play songs when I was on shift, but then take her back home. Nice. Um, but uh, it, this is not the copy because it does not... I don't know. I probably pawned it, you know, back then. I <laughs> Sold I, I, it I,
0: to Cheapo Records. Well, and yeah, phone, whatever the
1: local record stores were. It was, uh, what was it, Rochester, Minnesota? It was Face to Music and uh, Broadway Records. They both bought... You know, use music back when you could actually sell a CD for like three or four dollars. Oh, yeah. You know, like, and so I probably got a couple bucks for it and, you know, ate McDonald's that day.
0: Yeah, I uh, graduated high school in June of 92, so this was right at the peak period for me, man, as far as uh, getting out of high school, getting ready to go into college. I would hear, uh, I remember hearing Wood on uh, 93X here in the Twin Cities back when that was still would play, you know, Rush Closer to the Heart. Yep. And then they would go to uh, Megadeth, Sympathy of Destruction, uh, to, uh, gosh, to, to Alice in Chains. Yeah. So.
1: And that was right before it turned to the Edge, which was the alternative station, right?
0: Correct, yeah. It was still kind of a hard rock, yeah. quote unquote, but you could hear uh, classic rock mixed in with the new band.
1: The album, it's my lovely wife, Amy, over there. Amy, say hi to Andy Shaw. Hi, Amy. I'm um, probably gonna leave that in. Uh, She's the brains and the beauty of the Baco yeah. <laughs> family. She's everything. She's a complete package. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm the Lucky weak link. Yes, you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 What's the sports metaphor? I, I outkick my coverage. <laughs> Outpund your coverage. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the fuck was I going there did you see it in the theater
0: uh, no but I I was aware of it because MTV did a uh, singles movie premiere
1: uh-huh.
0: in fall of 92 I remember watching that back when you could still watch stuff like that on MTV uh, I remember renting it at you know the local video store uh, as soon as it came out definitely a movie for me I love Cameron Crowe's previous stuff uh, you know he wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High it's all time classic he didn't Correct. say anything um, and I think kind of singles gets kind of um, you know in the Cameron Crowe uh, catalog, singles kind of gets forgotten about because it's not on any of the streaming services right now. I had to run to my local half price books and buy a, the DVD. Really? Because if you think you know, you got Fast Times, you got Say Anything, which is a '80s you know classic. Right. Then you have this. Then he did uh, Jerry Maguire, which is you know the biggest thing. Show
1: me the money. And
0: that's right. Uh, back when everyone still thought Tom Cruise was normal, mm,
1: not me. <laughs> that- <laughs> I, I, I no joke. Yeah. I was a front runner on this. Dude is messed up. <laughs> I have always had a bad vibe on that guy. Okay. And when he finally snapped, I was like, "Thank you, vindication." The Ibaka
0: uh, was leading the way, and the rest of the world had to catch up with it. The one like time
1: it- I was right, it had to be about <laughs> something so important as Tom Cruise being nuts.
0: Yes. Uh, so he did Jerry McGuire. Then he did Almost Famous, which, you know, every rock pod geek out there.
1: Uh, Honestly, the no? overrated. Uh, Solid movie. Not It's definitely not a waste of your time watching. But the, the hype did not, it was not validated. I thought, like, eh, it's okay. You
0: know, I'm going to agree with you on that. Uh, overrated, yes, but a solid movie nonetheless.
1: Yeah. I'm not mad that I saw it. It's like, I like, I think, like you said, I think Cameron Crowe turns out a quality product. Yes. But I think like his box office numbers represent a pretty, you know what? Perfectly rated. Yes, you know, yeah, perfectly does, rated. There you go. People, people know his name. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> uh, he, 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 don't be giving that to Luce. No, I wrote a damn article about that shit before we met. Got All it, right, got it. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Trouble in Paradise. Trouble now. in Paradise. Um, Holy crapes. Cameron Crowe is a name people should know. Yep, you know, it, it, but he is. Uh, I would actually. Who's the other Cameron? James Cameron. Yeah. James Cameron crow that would be like just a, <laughs> that's a James a band name for you uh, Ringo Death Star I think James Cameron overrated Cameron crow perfectly rated hmm interesting at the same time I understand why uh, uh, James Cameron movies are big yeah is because they're easy for the masses to you know it's 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 like a, a meme it's like there's not a whole lot of thought that I have to I don't use, <laughs> need to use my brain here a guy gets
0: into a suit and then can be transported into a world of blue giant yeah. people. Uh, and once sure.
1: again, the a single white male uh, <laughs> cures all for some uh, minimized uh, race. So, so there, there's your. Camera, let's pull let's that
0: camera. pull that damn avatar off of uh, Netflix. Yeah, let's yeah. Go. Oh,
1: that's yeah, time. Yes, yeah, so yeah. let's, let's get rid of it. Uh, but anyway, back to this movie. Right. Uh, so, uh, you are you a fan of the movie? You like it?
0: Love the movie uh, I hadn't watched it in probably ten years uh, picked it up last weekend, watched it again. It was great. There were some little nuances that I had never noticed before, so uh we'll get into that okay we'll get into that later
1: um i like um I like this movie better than almost everyone that you mentioned, other than probably fast times okay um I was really looking forward to this movie, and as much as I enjoyed it, it still let me down in a sense like like I don't relate to any of these characters <laughs> and I, th- I think in hindsight i do now because i think at the time what i was looking for was like a movie that was grunge specific sure and this really is just a movie that takes place with human beings living in a world where grunge is big yes and yes. in hindsight that's kind of the world i was living in sure i was just like more the matt dylan character um <laughs> you know which you know much Wait, to my chagrin.
0: Well, you do have a Beer and Lifestyle music podcast. So. Mm, yes, there you go. And it's huh? big
1: in Belgium. Yeah, oh, oh, nice. Thank you. Extremely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Kira Sedgwick seemed like she was way too old for the character she was playing then. Uh, you know,
0: I agree totally. I was thinking that as well when I rewatched it the other night. Uh, she was about 28, and she looks about thirty-eight in the movie. She comes across uh, a little older than uh, the character should be. But you know, but, Winona Ryder probably would have been a better pick.
1: But she did her own stupid. Uh, uh, what was that oh, one called? Oh, that was uh, Reality Bites. Yeah, this which is not the was Reality Bites the... <laughs> podcast. And, uh, don't get me going on Winona Ryder. Uh, Melissa Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Uh, so back to the the soundtrack. This came out, uh, like I said, June thirtieth, nineteen ninety two. Yep. It uh, comes in at a whopping sixty five minutes and twenty seven seconds because of what thirteen tracks. Thirteen right? tracks, sir. All right. Now they they did release a deluxe edition, which were I'm going to talk about one song. If you there's more you'd like to get into, but uh, I think you, you probably probably know which one I'm going to bring up, but um, for a soundtrack that fits the movie, I think you're going to find out when we get to the end of this. I, I thought it did a very good job. But uh, oh, yeah. Well, the record opens up with wood. Wood. <laughs>
0: dark and eerie, and it's got uh, pounding, I said, marching tribal drums mm. going on.
1: Very much so. Yep, we're getting the, the nope. wife
0: of, wife's dropping the <laughs> this look is, of this approval. This is the only or reason, or reason I'm approval. still
1: married, by the way. I have to open the top on a top on a lid here. There we go. She keeps around for something. Yeah. I'm not sure what that is. One but. strong hand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, and you know what I find ironic, uh, about Wood being on this album, you know, you would have, uh, Clerks come out in 94. That's with, a good point. With another Alice Shane song off of that soundtrack.
1: Which one was in there? Uh,
0: Got Me Wrong.
1: Oh, wait, like... That was on Clerks? Yes it was, sir. Um so because, and the, also another Minneapolis band on there that wasn't getting a lot of notoriety at the time, uh solo Soul Asylum was on there.
0: Oh yes. You are correct. Before uh, um,
1: they really hit. You know what we're not you're talking, the host, we're, so. we're getting off on okay, all these different soundtracks. My, my God. I just find
0: it funny that uh, Allison Chains would be on two of the biggest, you know, grunge slash indie. Movie soundtracks uh, of
1: the early 90s. That's interesting. I guess I hadn't put that together. Uh, well, that's why you have me here, Bob. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, that's one of the reasons. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but uh, Clerks also, it, just uh, touching that a little bit, definitely a movie that benefited from kind of this shift in movement in everything, you know what I mean? Because yep. it wasn't just music. It was almost a lifestyle with grunge. Yep. And and that very much permeates in things like Starbucks blowing up and, and uh um movies like uh Clerks coming out, that kind of thing. This yeah. idea that like we we can just be a little more I don't know, DIY about things, really benefited things and then they turned into these massive of course corporations that are bloated <laughs> and
0: I was just gonna say, uh we kinda hit the apex of the Generation X era. We but really I hate did. using ge- the term generation X. Why? So I just always thought it was, you know, a marketing I toy. did at the
1: time, and I didn't really care for the term grunge at the time. Now, I embrace it. I'm okay. a Gen Xer. I'm better than the previous and, and following generation. <laughs> there you um, go. I, I, I knuckle down while you guys whine and piss and moan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'll drink to that. All right, cheers, buddy. Cheers. There's another one. All right. Who Teppels is really uh, ooh, taking a hit. Uh, mm-hmm. Any more thoughts on wood, though?
0: Uh, of course, you know, it deals with the. Uh, the death of Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone, sort
1: of. I mean, well, it was It's, it's almost like a pun.
0: Yes, you know when you were talking about kind of songs that came out in between albums. This this album here, right, uh, really kind of hits the mark because he had facelift which was Alice and Chains' debut, Mm -hmm. which was in... This is before Dirt. Yep. And this hit right before Dirt. So it was just kind of in that in-between era where you've heard Man in the Box, and you're like, dude, I want to hear something new from these guys. What do they got? And they drop wood on the single soundtrack.
1: Amazing track. Yes, it is. It should have stayed here. That was one of my notes, is that, like... I think what keeps Dirt from being a perfect record is them shoehorning this song on there. and Not that I don't like the song, but to me, the rest of that album sounds like a complete record, and then... Plus dirt, it's like one of the, It's like one of those things when you buy. It, it's like bonus track on a CD, and it's just like you got two columns, almost like a side A, side B, and then underneath the two columns is like bonus track. It's like, well, where does this fit in? You know, I mean, it, you know, at the age of CD, they're just trying to slam as much as they could on at, at a certain point. But right. to me, this is this song is. It's one of the few examples on here that I think actually. Merits going back to for the artist that that it is, but it really should have just stayed on here. This this didn't belong on dirt is my only gripe. Sure. Not a lot to do about the soundtrack. Great way to open it up if you're a, a guy like me that loves you some Alice in Chains and and oh, like yeah. uh, uh and this is this is not even my favorite Alice in Chains song, but it's still a killer fucking track. Yeah. Uh, what kind of rating are we using today for Seattle reference side? Uh, did you have one? Uh, you have a few. Do you do you want to bust them out as we go? Oh gosh.
0: Well, I, f- I feel like I would just be uh you know aping on Gene Vogel's. <laughs> go ahead. Do so. whatever.
1: We got to do something.
0: Uh, we'll go you know, just with the Doc Martens. Uh, okay. I'm fine. I gave it a five out of five.
1: I give it five Doc Martens as well. I wish I could give it six, but... Uh, Well, you can, by the way, because I'm so loose with these rules that I really don't care what you do. (laughs) Uh, So it's a six, Doc Martin, for you, and I give it a five. All right. Uh, Well, the next track here is uh, from Pearl Jam, and it's the the track Breathe. Breathe. not a bad tune, but honestly, uh, if I'm in the mood for Pearl Jam, I will never, ever go back to this song. This isn't the song that I'm like, man, I really need to hear that tune, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So while it does seem like it's almost perfect for a soundtrack in the sense of like, well, we would never put this on a record, so you can have this one. Right.
0: Uh, So they had already recorded 10. You know, a year yeah, this before.
1: Is, this is a couple of years after, yeah. So
0: this was, uh so actually both Pearl Jam songs on this record were recorded in January of 92. So after 10 had been released.
1: Mm-hmm. But, and before Versus. And,
0: and before Versus. So Versus,
1: what, 93 or something like that? Yes, 93.
0: Okay. So this was just kind of, uh you know, what they had kind of left that they had been kicking around. This song, I guess, had been kicking around since the Mother Love Bone days. Oh, really? Um. And then when they got the call to say, "Hey, we need some songs." Say that again.
1: What was the name of the band? Mother Love Bone. <laughs> i had two <laughs> beers. I don't know. Yeah, the first one was like Mother Love Bone days. <laughs>
0: Mother Love Bone days.
1: Yes, don't you know? Mother
0: Love Bone days. The music was done by uh, by Stone uh, Gassard. and then Eddie Vedder did Gossard. the lead. Gossard, thank
1: you. I'm not, like you're the Bachman. I'm a loose cannon right now. It's like just <laughs> like I'm making fun of the way you pronounce everything. Gonna uh, give me a complex. Oh, uh, well, whatever. Mother Love Bone Days. So, uh, Embrace so, it. That's what I say. There we go. That's what he would do. He would steer into the skid. <laughs> Mother Love Bone Days. <laughs> He's two beers so, in, and this is what we
0: get. Oh, boy. Mother Love Bone Days. Kind of uh, so, yeah, I agree. I could see why it was left off of 10 and why they didn't yeah. uh, do a final mix then, or a final uh, version of this then.
1: The the sound of the song actually bothers me a little bit, too. I think it's not. It's like it doesn't really feel like it's a finished production, um, oh. which may be a recurring theme here. Teaser. Okay. Um but I don't know. Um, I clocked us in, even with all that negativity. <laughs> I give it uh, three Doc Martens.
0: Three? I actually gave it a four. Wow. Okay. I was being generous.
1: No, oh, all right. Well, so. yeah, because you actually, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love how people come into this like, like, because to me it's like, man, if I hate a song, like, I really have to not like it to for it to hit two. Right. So to me, it's like three is kind of blasé. Four means it's solid. Five is out of the park. Sure, but uh, there's probably a lot of like steps there, which is why Gene Vogel like the uh, the decimal points. Yes, three point sevens, <laughs> things of that nature. So, but what did you give it? Oh, you said it. You gave it. Yeah, I gave a four. It four. Well, next uh, seasons credited only to Chris Cornell of
2: Soundgarden. And
0: do you know the
1: backstory on this? No, I do not. Let's hear. It.
0: All right, so you have the Matt Dillon character in the movie who is Cliff Poncier. Uh, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong too. No, it's not right uh, to me. Uh, so, you know. And you know,
1: I did give you a complex. Come on, Andy, <laughs> just roll with it.
0: So, uh, in the movie, you know, he's in Citizen Dick and then he gets kicked out. And then in a deleted scene, I found this on YouTube, he's, he created a, uh, a tape, a five song EP, that actually, when they were looking to create it in the movie, Jeff
1: Ament. From Pearl Jam, or Amen, depending Aiment, on who you talk you. to. No, whoa, 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 whoa! Let, let me. I said, a- or who you talk? It depends on who you there talk to. Yeah. Jeff
0: Ament from Pearl Jam had created the fake cassette to make it look like a real, you know, indie release yeah. that some guy would just make in, you know, Kinkos. And he put five songs on the on the uh, tape just to make it look more authentic, even though you would never see it in the movie. And one of the songs was called Seasons. So Chris Cornell sees it, and he goes out and he goes. Well, I got to write a song.
1: So there's not actually any music on this tape. It's just no. a list of song titles. It was just five song
0: titles that Jeff just pulled out of his ass. Right on. And then uh, Cornell sees it. He goes, "Well, I got to write some songs." Uh, Seasons was one. Spoon Man was another.
1: Oh my god! That's why
0: in the movie I hear you hear a uh, ten seconds of the working demo of Spoon Man instrumental. And just you know, uh, in between, you know, as they you know, maybe the worst
1: song, garden song ever. Oh, uh, spoon to, man, I have to disagree on that oh, one. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> this guy in Seattle, he's homeless and he plays spoons, and it's literally like the least uh, artistic way to write a song about a guy who plays spoons who's homeless because <laughs> it's like spoon man. Come together with your hands. Hey, that's what he does. All right. All right. Uh, we're, apparently, Let's... we're going to fight, ladies and gentlemen. I can see Andy Shaw is upset. <sighs> uh, I uh, and it's not easy to no upset love the spoon someone. Man. <laughs> I do love the Spoon Man. <laughs> it, it, he is the epitome of Minnesota nice. So <laughs> if, if you pit, if you piss off Andy Shaw You have basically invited you know uh, death upon your family,
0: (laughs) and right now the uh, ten people that know me listening to this are laughing their ass off.
1: Yeah, okay,
0: but you're more famous than
1: that. (laughs) Twelve, at least twelve. Yes,
0: twelve. About seasons, I gotta say, uh, chilling, melancholy, uh, great guitar work on this, but his voice just he just kills it.
1: You can, especially at this time, you cannot really. Harshly critique anything that's this guy saying. Right. It pretty much in his whole career, but around this time this is this is yeah. A plus yes. Cornell vocal time. But um I remember hearing him say he recorded this on a he recorded this on a four track in his apartment. Now keep in mind this is around the time that these little Tascam Porta Studio cassette four tracks were the only way to multi track at home sure. without some extravagant expense. So But you know damn well he didn't fucking record this on one of those. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's kind of what he's saying. He's like, and that's very much the one of the things about alternative and grunge that I didn't like is that like this. He what he's saying is like, oh, this song, oh, this old thing that I you know uh, set with like a the microphone that's used uh, to record the guitar cost eight thousand dollars. But it was done on a four track, you know, kind of on the cheap. You know, yeah, it's a four-track reel-to-reel with half-inch tape right. or two-inch tape. You know what I mean? This wasn't a Maxell cassette, <laughs> exactly. Didn't he didn't run down to you know, freaking Target and buy a pack <laughs> of cassettes and slip them in there and record this thing. So uh, that, that when I read that, I just my eyes rolled so far back in my head <laughs> that it took me about a year to get them unstuck. I had to go to an optometrist. That drives me crazy. That whole like almost kind of like oh, you know, it's no big deal that I'm this fucking amazing kind of attitude shit. It. But uh, that said, not a big fan of the song. It's okay. It's not bad. I, I, I agree with the vocal, but like Chris Cornell could almost do no wrong for me at this time. But looking back and listening to it, I gave it a, a three Doc Martens. Three
0: Doc Martens? I gave it four.
1: All right. Fair I, enough.
0: Uh, I thought it was a little repetitive, though, and it clocked in at five minutes and 45 seconds, which I thought was... Uh, Maybe could have shaved a little. Yeah, of off yeah, it,
1: as well. it, it is kind of bloated. I mean, yes. but um, it is great guitar work, though. I oh, mean, yeah. it doesn't. I, I don't think uh, he gets enough credit for just how good of a guitar player he was. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and he was the songwriter in in uh, in Song Garden. he was not the featured guitar player. Yeah, oftentimes he was just put up front to sing. All right, up next we have our our own our native son. He's still living mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. Uh, uh, over by. Last I heard is that he lives not too far. He lives in a County near France Avenue and 494, so a couple miles from Mall of America for for okay. people not too familiar with uh, Minneapolis. There,
0: so he's probably moved about three miles from where he grew up. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, they're uh, what like 26 in Lyndale or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, uh, now we sound like a bunch of New Yorkers. <laughs> Doesn't that happen every time we talk? Like oh, all yeah. of a sudden we we start talking about the streets. Well, see, you know, most of the
0: people you're talking with, you know, you got Loose Cannon out in Denver or you're talking to someone from around the country. I'm a guy here in the cities. Damn straight. cities. So we can, uh, we can do the, uh, the Minnesota accent, don't you know?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Have we, some hot dish. For sure, and, Yeah. Uh, By the way, the hot dish is waiting for you there. Tater tots and a casserole there. Uh, Yeah, up next is Paul Westerberg from The Replacements. His first solo um, release material at all. This is Dyslexic Heart.
0: I know Replacement fans have some issues with these two songs on this album, but... Uh, what do you think those are? They think it's too poppy. Hmm. So, you know, uh, his sister, Mary Lucia... Oh, yeah. From the... Cur- well, formerly of the local radio station, The Current, which like is Like most of
1: Westerbergs, the- his sister's last name is Lucia. Yeah,
0: <laughs> of course. Uh, I remember listening to The Current years ago, which is kind of the uh, hipster... Uh, what do you want to call it?
1: I don't know, uh, do she? No, 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 no. It's uh it's actually a really cool radio station. Yeah,
0: eclectic. Alternative. Alternative eclectic, but it's also uh, I'm mad they Minnesota fired Brian Public Oak is, is, is the yeah, problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: so. But I remember uh, she she played the song once and when she came out of it she said, Oh yeah, here's my brother's sellout pop song. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know replacement fans just thought it was a little too poppy. Okay. But uh, I think Fuck it's em. great. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the guy who wrote Alex Chilton and Can't Hardly Wait. I mean,
1: exactly. Power pop, right there. Dude, this is. Those are far more poppy oh. songs than this.
0: The na 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 na's I find totally infectious. You can't yeah. help and, but sing along. And they along. kept throwing
1: those in the movie. That was like an often like a scene segue, right? Like uh, nah, 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 nah. Both songs. Yeah. This and uh, oh right 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 yeah. Actually, that's why it's not on this note. It's on the other song. But yeah. Both of his songs has that kind of thing. that they, they kept kind of dialing back. It's kind of like scene breaks. Right. Paul writes, he really writes slick pop songs. And then records them kind of like as this guy who isn't slick. I like it, but I think he could have found greater success writing for others. I don't know that I'd like that personally, because then I would lose out on all that replacement stuff that I like. His solo career for me has really been, you know, like a track here and there. Almost very similar to Bob Mould. But yeah. but to me, I always go back to to hit the replacements as far as when I really want to hear the, the core Paul Westerberg stuff. But yes, he really could have like this song would be a hit, and, and like those two you mentioned, Alex Chilton, and what was the other one? I can't uh, hardly wait. Can't hardly wait. I mean, if that was like a uh, freaking Hootie the Bullfish doing that during this time, <laughs> those would have been giant uh, songs, you know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. he could have been kind of like uh, another local guy, uh, Sean Tillman, Harmar Superstar. Sure. Like where he just kind of is behind the scenes writing songs for like Christine Aguilera and that kind of thing. But oh, and and the guys... maybe a, a poor man's Max Miller. <laughs> that is for you, Charlie Bonante.
0: What was the, uh, oh, God, I'm totally spacing on his name, the uh, semi-sonic guy?
1: What the, it's Wilson writes, or something, right?
0: Uh, Dan, Wilson. Dan yeah, Wilson. He writes uh, like, a ton of Odell, Adele stuff.
1: Yes. Yeah, Adele. he wrote Adele. basically the whole album, That Broker. Yes.
0: And uh, uh, subsequent albums, I know he's got a hand in as well. So.
1: Yeah. Well, it seemed like, um, <laughs> so here, here's a little insider stuff for you people. Um, Dan Wilson wrote these songs. Gave Adele co credit for things that she really did it right. Uh, kind of common practice in the pop Adele, Oh, yeah. It's, it's not, not the first time this has happened. Adele blows Madonna. up, sells 19 million billion records, and then suddenly wants a little less to do with Dan Wilson, who basically created her fortune. Now, Dan got paid... As far as I know, pretty sure. well too. So I don't think he's sitting at home like going, "Oh, woe is me." The very another another example is that girl from Four Non Blondes, yeah, uh, uh, something Perry. Yes, Linda Perry. Linda Perry. She basically uh, Pink's biggest record. She wrote uh, most, I think, Pink's yeah. biggest songs. Okay, yeah. and then uh, but then after a couple records, like Pink stopped using her. Right. Uh, the, the 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 correct example of how to handle these things is to be Janet Jackson you Yes, go. You guys knew what the hell you were doing when she got with Jimmy Jam and T- Terry Lewis, yep. and then just basically wrote her entire main <laughs> career out of that. Uh, but no, too many of these people like they they want to like they worry that this shadow is over them yep. than more than they realize that people don't give a crap. It's like nobody gives a shit that Dan Wilson wrote your songs Adele. Right. You do because you think that there's this sub because there's people like you and me going. You ain't right, Dad. <laughs> but nobody gives a the, fuck about what you, you think.
0: The ego, yes, yeah. just gets in the way. So Paul
1: Westbrook could have been Dan Wilson. Yep. He could have been. Uh, I'm
0: just trying to think Darius Linda Rucker Barry. singing uh, Dyslexic Heart, though. Eh, I don't know.
1: Try to understand it. <laughs> I got a dyslexic heart, <laughs> and the just, Dolphins lose. Just let her cry. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we both suck at uh, Darius Rucker impersonations off well, the Well, that's cuff, a good but. thing. Yeah,
0: probably. Uh, I'd, I'd not... hate to think I'm a good Darius Rucker impersonator.
1: <laughs> oh, you hater. You're a goddamn uh, hater. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, up next. Oh, wait. wait do, we, do we rate that? I gave this one a solid 3.5, 3.5. Doc Martens.
0: Dude. Gotta disagree. I gave it a five. Wow. Infectious pop songs are always gonna kick ass.
1: Yeah, I don't know world. how infectious is it's like those other two songs you mentioned blow this out of the water. That's why maybe maybe I'm judging Paul Westerberg against himself.
0: I think so. You gotta look at it in the context of this album, I think.
1: Hmm. That's what leads to riots, Andy. Yeah, that's true. You know, and and the riots in lead in, to looting.
0: Yeah, and living in Minneapolis and St. Paul, respectively, here, we, uh, <laughs> we've seen a little of that lately.
1: Looting leads to me having a two-year supply of blue juice from a car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, up next is track five with the Lovemongers. Mongers. <laughs> is from Seattle, but grunchers would have revolted on a polished top 40 band having a song on this fucking thing. So (laughs) Anne and Nancy briefly became this unknown artist called the Lovemongers and covered this Zeppelin tune. It's a pretty good performance. You know what? And, and again, we're talking about singing with Chris Cornell. You cannot argue with, with either one of these two as a singer, yep. but especially Ann Wilson. Yeah. I mean, she is just, like, one of the most identifiable female voices in rock history. Oh, yes. But, fuck this, pointless. <laughs> it was it was a just toss-in to, like, hey, they're from Seattle, too, bullshit. They didn't even really explain it. You know what I mean? It took years to find out. It's like, okay, that sounded an awful lot like Heart you know doing zeppelin
0: well but. i think the fact that you know nancy is married to cameron crow at
1: this point oh at oh at this point at already at this point
0: yeah cuz they married uh, in 86 and didn't separate until the uh the 2010s, I believe. I have no idea why this was included, except for the fact, like I said, she was married to Cameron Crow at the time, and they're from Seattle.
1: I think. Well, now we know why.
0: Yes, uh, this this version will not make you forget we, about Robert we Plant. We solved or Led Zeppelin. The,
1: the mystery. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: I think this is kind of your filler, and hey, I need a song. Let's throw this in, because I don't even remember that m- well in the movie. I was just going to ask it. you, does it even come up in the movie? I think it's like 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. it's not uncommon for a soundtrack to have a song that isn't in the movie. True. Which doesn't make any damn sense, but... Um, I gave this... I gave it a goddamn three! Three? I give it a two. It's, yeah, it deserves a one. Yeah. Uh, why, why did I give us a three?
0: It's it's a respectable cover, but it's not going to... Like I said, it's not going to make you forget about Led Zeppelin.
1: I hate it more listening <laughs> the fact that we talked about it. <laughs> That's what I needed to do. I needed to flesh it out with you. There you go. And my rating goes from a three to a one.
0: <laughs> Moving along. All right. Oh, the, the less the... said about this, the better.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Side yeah. one, and yeah, because there are there is a cassette copy of this, so we do have a side. Oh one, yeah, right? ninety two. Yeah. Is uh, Chloe Dancer now Mother Love Bone? Uh, Actually,
0: Chloe Dancer slash or hyphen Crown, Crown of, of Thorns. Thorns. Yes. There you yeah. go. I get um, the
1: full... Uh, fair enough, because actually Crown of Thorns is more important in the title than Chloe Dancer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Mother Love Bone, of course, eventually. you say that eventually. again? Mother Love Bone Day. <laughs> <laughs> Mother Love Bone, of course, spawned. Uh, yeah, what's up? It's my neighbor, Corey. It's important
0: uh, podcasting going on here. Hey, man.
1: No, not no. live. No, this will be edited. What's up? Cool,
0: this is cool. I can get my other beer.
1: Are you gonna come out in your suit of armor, or? <laughs> <laughs> Was it custom
0: made? Well, I'm like I bought some, I bought all of it, but it's like no, I, I gotta see this.
1: You know, who hasn't bought a suit of armor out of impulse? <laughs> oh, I love it! I'll be right back. I'm gonna use the rest. Side one closes out because this was during the cassette era. There is a side one and two on it. Uh, closes out with Chloe Dancer's Crown of Thorns from Mother Love Bone.
2: It's a broken kind of feeling. She'd have to time me to the ceiling. A bad moon to come and better say your around child. I wanna tell you that I love you. But does it really matter I just can't stand to see you dragging down no, again My baby, oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah So I'm singing And this is my kind
1: Like Jeff Ament and, uh, Stone. and Stone went on to uh, Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Well, McCready wasn't in Mother Love Bone. No. And of course, Andrew Wood was not in Pearl Jam, and that leaves the drummer. So, yeah, the two of them also came out of Green River.
0: Yes, it's that in uh, incestuous Seattle band. Yeah.
1: Thing well, that. they clearly had a connection. Yes. Uh, but so, they, yeah, they would go on to greater fame with Pearl Jam. Um, I think we talked about it, I don't think it was you and I, it might have been me and John Lamoureux. With that I, I think we look at Mother Love Bone um, through rose-colored hindsight glasses. I, I don't think they were the next big thing. They were not Pearl Jam widespread friendly as far as their music. And I absolutely love their entire catalog. Oh, so yeah. uh, I, when I say that, I'm saying I understand, you know, but I also understand why Slayer isn't on Top 40 radio, <laughs> and I love Slayer. So yeah. I just think sometimes people, especially when this blew up, everybody wanted to be the person that knew of Mother Love Bone, sure. and that was a big part of the alternative things, too, is like, oh, you've never heard this before. That was a big part of this scene. Oh, which, big time. So yeah, as much as I've I've embraced all this grunge stuff, we I really haven't... Dove in to the sellout, like poser shit that fucking just <laughs> permeated this kind of crap, and, and and that that mentality that like oh you just heard about Mother Love Bone
0: dude I was rocking them in '86 what are you talking
1: about uh, come on the, when they were called Green River that's right uh, but no uh, Mother Love Bone I think um man they uh they, they're basically their entire catalog is one on one anthology it's like a two disc thing that I have yeah so it's it's their EP and their full length album that they, they actually released, but they, the the full-length came out right after Andrew would uh, o- mm-hmm. overdosed. And as great as I think it is, there is no way that it was going to be this like juggernaut that Pearl Jam has turned into. Right. And it might have been a and band that's that, the, that, that sustained still. That's the Shine album. Shine's shine the, EP, the EP, Apple's the album. Yes. All right. and, and it's kind of a bummer to me that, that that didn't crack the top 25. If I could slide something in there that I really would have a passion to talk about, it would be that. This is a great tune, but I'm probably deservedly going to get shredded mm-hmm. a little bit but I prefer the yeah. Pearl Jam live version that oh. shows up in the Pearl Jam 20 record with Eddie Singer
2: I used to treat you like a lady now you're my substitute teacher this bottle's not
1: It, it, and I love this version. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to lose either one. I'm not okay. trying to replace one, but if I'm picking one, I go back to that Eddie mm-hmm. Vedder live version, recorded by the way, on my birthday, October 22nd. <laughs> um, well, it's in Las be Vegas. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's great. And uh, one, one, one note that, that relates to the movie. Uh, should we mention is that like the font that mother love bone used is basically the the citizen dick font yes throughout the movie so yeah.
0: so it's a, it's a great song i didn't realize that chloe the chloe dancer part of it was written about his girlfriend becoming a stripper and hmm. then she quits after an hour <laughs> that was what i learned in my research oh, of this nice. song i i uh,
1: learned something too then there we to, go so hopefully we gave something to our that's listeners too that's right
0: uh, and then the crown of thorns is, you know, talking about a relationship being ruined by drug uh, addiction.
1: It is amazing Deep how many in, of these artists yeah. that um, God, they would write lyrics that would suggest they were smarter <laughs> uh, or at least smart enough to and, avoid the fate they did, yeah. like how self-aware they were at what was happening to them. And they were so willing to put that into their art, yeah. but also at the same time succumb To the fate that they predicted for themselves.
0: I know it's sad.
1: You can tell me these
0: guys are dead now.
1: Well, yeah, we got (laughs) Andrew uh, Wood, uh, Cornell, Lane Staley, Uh, Kirk Cobain. Uh, Um, he's
0: not on the soundtrack, but Stone Temple. Same thing.
1: Yep. Oh, I was just I was I was talking from the scene, but uh, uh, Billy Corgan, he's been dead for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to go from the soundtrack, Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> Man,
0: he was doing it. He was showing them all how to do it.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs>
1: love you, Billy. Hey, you know what? Love you, Billy Hardaway. It's been a long time since I threw that in an episode. There you go. All right, so we finished side one. Let's oh, get into what do you give Chloe to oh, answer? Crown absolutely. Well. Five, five point five for the oh, Pearl Jam yeah. version. Oh shit! Sure. Suck it, haters. <laughs> I
0: give it a five as well. It's uh, it's a very haunting song that you just mm. can't uh, can't deny its greatness. It's
1: all who you know. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the lyrics. The man when that when that the song builds up and then when it's like, dun, dun, like a lock, crown, of thorns. Oh my God! It is just you're in the thick of it then, and that's just it's it's just some really masterful songwriting um, from a very unique perspective, I guess. Yes, it, it, you don't hear that kind of it was. It, 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 who's he? Who's he aping? You know what I mean? Right. You're not ripping off anything with that thing there. So,
0: Only thing I got to say, though, uh, 8 minutes and 20 seconds. That's where you get your 63 minutes of an album here with 13 tracks.
1: Yeah, I suppose, but uh, that's why there's only six songs on side one and seven on side two. There you go. All right. Well, let's get into the movie a little bit. Andy, uh, you you uh, definitely talked to me about this before we got going here, yep. that you wanted to get into some movie talk on this.
0: Basically, it was Cameron Crowe was living in L.A. in the mid-'80s, and he just kind of got sick of the whole L.A. musician scene because he's like, here's all these you know dicks like uh, Motley Crue citizen and Poison. Dicks. Yeah, citizen dicks uh, that are living off their girlfriends. They're sleeping until noon, and then they're going to go play the whiskey or... Something till uh, three a.m., and he moved. He married uh, Nancy Wilson. Went up to Seattle and discovered that scene. And you know he'd meet all these guys from well, what turned out to be Pearl Jam eventually. Yeah. And they were working, you know, their little coffee shop jobs, trying to you know get enough money to scrap together to go out and record. And so uh, he
1: knew these guys before he was writing the script.
0: Yes, yes. I think he's known him since the late '80s, so '89 ish. Oh,
1: so if he was living there, he he was experiencing the scene along, like what Bruce Private was describing.
0: Yes, exactly. So he he got immersed into the culture and then created this, you know, little romantic comedy that just kind of, like you said, just kind of was was a romantic comedy. But then the environment that it was set in was this grunge Seattle uh,
1: scene. Are you a rom com guy, Andy?
0: Uh, I do love me uh, some Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally, okay. uh, got to go with the all-time classic, Sixteen Candles.
1: That counts, huh? Yeah, well, that's a rom-com. God, there's so much brony shit in that, though. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. I did like it at the time, though, but, but largely because of like the connection to the Seattle scene yep. and how much I, I enjoyed being part of that grunge movement. But
0: sure. Huh. You know, what's interesting is once the movie came out, it only did. Uh, 18 million in box office. Music.
1: That's modest.
0: Uh, very modest. But what happened was the TV producers wanted to create a show about it, and I guess Cameron Crowe was slow to respond. And eventually, a, a group of producers came and started a show that was similar to it, called
1: Friends. Mm. Come on! Yes, there is nothing less grunge than Friends.
0: <laughs> you are correct. I always kind of got a Melrose Place vibe because you know you had the little apartment building complex where everyone lived, and okay, you know you kind of yeah, the but everybody
1: there was like they had way more money than they. Oh, I guess Friends did too. Yeah, this movie seemed to like the where people lived it seemed to represent the job they had. Yes. Um, where friends doesn't, where Mel- 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 Melrose Place doesn't. I would like to think that like um, uh, Cameron Crowe, and I don't know if this is true, but I just want it to be. Okay. I, I just want more no on principle. Like I want Bill Murray to go no to Ghostbusters reboots. <laughs> I, I I want that. You know yes. what I mean? I want people that can actually stop these things to go. This is a horrible idea. Yeah. And I'm saying no because that sucks. And what I did didn't suck. So you don't get to suck up what I did, you know. So.
0: I'm trying to think of a good movie example of that, and I can't come up with a good example off the top of my head here. Shit.
1: They never did a sequel to Beer Fest. Typical Americans.
2: This is why we don't allow you now. Beer Fest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you get a few drinks and your unju you becomes a dirty
2: Hey. Yeah. No. You should go back to your street malls and drink your Zimas and <laughs> smear not ice. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can punch each other ceiling. Yeah. 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 Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like sounds like you guys fancy yourself drinkers, huh? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. I think we just beat the Irish. So.
0: One thing I learned about, like I said, since it was reco- uh, filmed in 91, and then they basically you know, let it sit on the shelf, by the time Nirvana got big, they were thinking about calling it the movie Come As You Are to kind of cash in on the Nirvana vibe. Mm. Uh, but luckily, uh, cooler heads prevailed,
1: and they're like... Really? Yeah. I like that name better. <laughs> I like it better. Yeah. Come as you are. There you go. No, you're right. This would have been. Um, now that would have been a money ploy. You know out. what? It probably would have done ten million more in ticket sales. Yeah. And it would not be revered by people like you and I. True.
0: And it is a kind of an interesting thing because uh, the DVD box and the poster and everything had uh, Matt Dillon and Bridget Fonda on it. Right. Uh, but it wasn't really their movie. I think more of the Campbell Scott and Kira Sedwick and I are the main like characters. Yeah. But they weren't the box office draws. Campbell
1: Scott, by the way, fresh off of Bang and Julia Roberts for about a year. Because
0: oh, yeah. yeah. he was in... Uh...
1: Dying Young. Dying Young was the movie. Okay, um, Yeah, Dying Young was uh, one of those tragically uh, yeah. depressing movies where he got skinny and bald and Julia Roberts hung on to him. And, yeah, so they dated for a while after that. But uh, uh, good on you, man. Um, That's right. Uh, good looking guy. Horrible actor. Uh, Son of George C. Scott. Oh well, that explains how he gets into gets his work. There you go. It, it's not based on talent. <laughs> uh, not, you are correct, sir. He's okay. Uh, yeah, it I, Bill Pullman was in the movie. I don't recall his character.
0: Bill Pullman was the uh, the plastic
1: surgeon who was oh, going to give Bridget Fonda that, her breast uh, enlargement. That's right. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, and Bridget Fonda. Um, I, I think a fairly underrated actress. She kind of has one kind of thing, but she did, She was cute in this movie. She was. She, what was uh, the other one that, uh, with the wings guy in it, where she had the psycho roommate from... A uh, uh, single white female. Yeah, single white female. And she wife. was in
0: Doc Hollywood. So from like 91 to about 95,
1: she was kind of that, you know... She was the it girl. It girl. Oh, yeah.
0: And then, uh, for what I know I had gone on Wikipedia, and said she got gotten into a bad car accident about mm. uh, 15 years ago, and that's about when her work stopped. So I don't, and she also married Danny Elfman. From Oingo Boingo oh, and bad. Simpsons.
1: <laughs> oh, Simpsons music. It was all babe. downhill from there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and that's about when she quit her acting career or gave it up or whatever. So
1: All right. Fair enough. Uh, and Kara is,
0: Sedwick married Kevin Bacon.
1: Is this Jane Fonda's niece? Yes, because she
0: is uh, uh, the Easy Rider guy.
1: Uh, uh, Peter Fonda? Peter Fonda, yeah. That's his daughter. Wow, we're getting all sorts of kind of uh, a web of uh, movie crap here. Uh, You know what, uh, Jane Fonda? uh, When she gets herself done up in makeup, still, probably.
0: Oh yeah, I've seen her on the Netflix show. uh, Yeah, my wife loves that
1: show. I was like, I'm kind of amazed. But there's that one episode where she, like, whips off her, her wig and all of her makeup. And it's like, okay, now you do look 80. Oh, I uh, that
0: yeah. yeah. oh, Check it out. Okay. I watched the first couple seasons, and it was a pretty good show.
1: I like the movie. Like you, I also did not see it in the there theater. Um, but uh, we we rented it on the way home, probably after work one night. It was definitely something I wanted to see because I it was like you said we knew about it it was definitely oh. hyped and it was covered by our kind of scene with MTV and stuff like that. Back when people our age actually watched MTV for almost cultural significance, you exactly. know, what I mean, instead of like to find out how young someone got pregnant um, <laughs> or catfished. There we go. That one's for LC. I
0: had to watch the uh, the MTV news with uh, Tabitha Soren and Kurt Loder.
1: Mm, I did not like Tabitha Tabitha or Kurt Loder. Really? Yeah, who
0: no. is oh god he just turned seventy-five uh, a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow! Uh, I didn't realize he was that old back in the day. Oh, I did. Okay. I was like, you know, it's like one of those things. Like, this, doesn't this make you feel old? And that came up. I was like, nope, because he was. I thought he was like sixty when he was on MTV. So <laughs> I, I, I'm feel young because he's still alive. There you go. But uh, God, there was uh, there was one of the news girls that uh, that uh, connected with me, Alison <laughs> uh, Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She went on to like work on the Daily Show and uh and then eventually uh MSNBC. She oh. filled in um for uh Oh who's that? Keith Oberman. Okay. On a couple shows, but I did not know that. Um but yeah, she uh she got Baco through a couple tough nights. <laughs> so so that wraps up kind of our movie talk here.
0: Like I said, I think this kind of gets lost in the shuffle of the uh, movies of this era. It's not, like I said, it's not available on any of the streaming Hulu or Mm -hmm. Netflix. Uh, I had to go out and buy a
1: twenty-year-old copy, (laughs) used DVD of it. That's a lot about like what grunge is to to a certain extent. You know, definitely in podcasting, it feels like Mm -hmm. this one giant chunk of Mm -hmm. music history that is like really ignored. Yeah, you know, there's you know the '70s and '80s. There's Kiss. <laughs> there's are
0: there Kiss podcasts out there?
1: There's a couple at least. Okay, but okay. Uh, I feel it's probably going to come around like anything. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I think the, the one of the big problems Grunge has, and this is kind of a, a weird way to look at it, but like, you know how easy it is for a band like oh I don't know Bang Tango who had one hit <laughs> to to join a bunch of bands like them. Yeah, with a fractured lineup and just do that for the next 20 years. Yeah. I think it's harder for grunge bands to commit to do that kind of thing. Like unless you are big, like Alice yeah. in Chains can can kind of go on and be Alice in Chains because they're right. big enough. I'm right. talking about that next level where yeah. down, where like the faster pussy cats and stuff of that nature, it's easier for them to have a career than I think it is for like uh, I don't know whether there are any bands on here. like Candlebox
0: uh, can go Candlebox,
1: on. that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. I actually yeah. saw Candlebox at an 80s fest. Oh, wow. You know, and it was, of course, a fractured lineup, like all the other 80s bands right. are. I'm just saying, because their music was so dark and serious, and, and a big part of what they were was to be young and committed to to this one vision. Sure. Where, I mean, honestly, like, if you were whipping your, your fucking top off and showing your tits at 19, you... Have raised kids who are now in high school, yeah. and you're in your forties. You go, I want to go back and wear a shirt that says, "I fucked Brett Michaels," and you know, <laughs> and get drunk for a weekend at a casino, where yeah. I don't think there's that audience for grunge that was like, "Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I smoked a lot of heroin and got depressed, <laughs> and and I wrote a lot of poems." Um, <laughs> and then I had a lot kids. Of zines. Yeah, I want to go back and relive that. It's difficult to relive this kind of youth. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's easy to relive the like party youth and just not party quite as hard True. but it's hard to go back and like man wasn't it great being depressed and dressing like you didn't care yeah you know so I think that's a big part of it is that like you know there really is no fashionable way to bring grunge back for the people who lived it that's a good point
0: yeah, it's not like we have... Uh... even
1: fucking Backstreet Boys, like, reunited. <laughs> and it's like, these guys are 50 doing, like, these dumb dances. I'm like, who wants to see this? But apparently some people do. They got their own crews. Uh, so that might be part of it. But, yeah, I think it's a good point that this movie probably, uh, I don't know, there's a little more reverence than it gets right now.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, if you were of the time, you know it and you love it. Nice. This movie didn't really blow up on DVD or uh, cable or... Although the soundtrack... Double platinum
1: soundtrack is double platinum, and I, I, I have a theory that I'm going to get into it. One of these songs, oh, okay, on that. But uh, let's start with side two. Yep. You flip the cassette, the, you you fast forward to. Wait, no, this one because uh, side one is so long. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, you don't have to fast forward. You just flip it around. Sure. Uh, but it opens up with the Soundgarden track "Birth Ritual."
0: Yes. Nice. I love it. Uh, from the minute the song starts it's that I mean it pulls you in it's got the drums it's got guitars Cornell, How does how does a human sing like that? I uh. mean compared to seasons to this I mean the voice uh, I guess yeah. You know, he just uh, it just sucks me in. I'm I'm down with Birth Ritual unlike John Lamorel who is not a big fan, I believe. I think he said that on your uh Oh, Soundgarden episode. in general. Oh, well, it, yeah, I, yeah, Screaming. Yeah, he,
1: he doesn't was. like that high-pitched singing as much as uh, you and I might. Yeah, uh, love it. Uh, it just sucks. Um, well, let me ask you this. Were you a, were you a Soundgarden fan prior?
0: Uh, got in with the Bad Motor Finger album. Uh, okay. It just uh, sucks.
1: Outshined. So that, still big, uh, like was uh, that, was it, I'm not diehard, okay. but uh, uh, it just
0: something like I think I talked about on the Melvin's episode. I saw them open for Guns N' Roses in '92 yeah, yeah. here in Minneapolis. Uh, the tour before the Metallica, or is
1: uh, uh, what's his name? Oh fuck, uh, Aaron Baker would say Minneapolis, Minneapolis, <laughs> Min- Minneapolis. Oh Minneapolis, you know. Man, the, I, if he hears this and he thinks I'm picking on him, uh, he has such a good heart, and, and and he has definitely got the right direction. He does his own podcast called The Bakery Podcast. Okay. Uh, but he uh, he did a show about like a lot of the riots, and and he kept <laughs> <laughs> calling Minneapolis, <laughs> Minneapolis. <laughs> the first time I I thought it was just like you know like you know one of those things that I do it all the damn time. Sure. But uh, God bless you, Aaron. Keep it up. Uh, How does uh,
0: Stephen Michael say Minneapolis?
1: There's too many syllables in that word for Stephen Michael.
0: Hey, Baco. (laughs) I love I love his accent though.
1: Yeah, I love Stephen. Great guy. uh, His accent, not so much. Um, But uh... (laughs) Uh, it just sucks. Love you, Stephen. This song's okay. It sounds unfinished. Unfinished. Uh, and if, yeah, honestly, it's, it sounds like a track that they recorded and like, okay, now we have to do all that stuff to make it pretty sounding and they didn't do it. Okay. Um, and if I'm in the mood for Soundgarden, this ain't where I'm going. But really? But it's not a bad wow. song. Uh, 3.5, Doc Martens. 3.5. I gave it a
0: 5. And uh, in the movie, this is one of the uh, scenes where they're in the club and uh, Soundgarden's rocking out and Cornell, you know, he's comes in he's uh he's shirtless he's got the hair going he's oh, crowd surfing yeah uh, i'm sorry uh well, where was i yeah, shirtless and yeah, he's, uh, hair he's just a in the chunk area. of man
1: meat <laughs> uh you shouldn't be that talented and that good looking
0: i know son of a bitch got
1: it all everything yeah. sadly
0: gone yeah, again this is forgotten. this song uh just makes you uh you know, wish he was still around because uh, he could rock out man
1: i loved and was pissed in, in a sentence sense because it didn't show up on the soundtrack but you don't need you really didn't need it with everything on here but um, I loved Alice in Chains playing It Ain't Like That yes um, that, yes that. anyway but, which um, is
0: weird because I th- when I re-watched it I noticed they play they showed more of uh, It's Like That
1: <laughs> It Ain't Like That It
0: Ain't Like That thank you uh, they showed more of that uh, footage in the club
1: than wood well up next is uh, State 11 Trust. Yeah, I should say, and this was actually recorded for MTV Unplugged in March of 1992. MTV aired it the following May, so this this track specifically for you know this movie was actually already out there yeah. for public consumption. So um, I dig it a lot. Um, this is much better than Breathe. Uh, this is a song I wouldn't mind seeing them play live. Sure. It, it is a track that I would go back to and check out. Um,
0: uh, yeah. So I had found out that Eddie wrote the. Uh lyrics based on the film hmm. so they had seen the film or rough cut and uh, I think it was recorded at the same time as Blade. great
1: band, underrated yeah. <laughs> uh, rough cut
0: per- oh, Pearl Jam? rough
1: cut rough cut rough cut rough cut rough cut, rough cut. Rough cut. Rough cut. underrated anyway, <laughs> now that's for Gator and uh, the Meister <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Chris and Zach I don't know, I haven't got a thoughts on rough cut yet Rough cut. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, time for a rough cut. Andy Shaw. Uh,
0: let's see here. Uh, yes, great song. Uh, again, they used it for maybe about a minute in the movie, uh, mm-hmm. one of the club scenes.
1: Well, let, but, let's uh, be fair. I mean, most soundtracks, they don't, other than like a movie like Devil's Rejects, where if you haven't seen it, there's a scene yeah. at the end of the movie where they start playing Freebird, Okay, and they play. You know how long that song is, right?
0: It's like seven and a half minutes. Yeah,
1: and there's a. It's a a slow moving moment with one side and another side approaching each other and doing this thing, right? Yeah. And you know damn well by about when the fact that they get to the second verse, you're like, this. There's they're not going to be shooting guns and blowing shit up <laughs> until that guitar solo kicks in. And it's like and and um, the singer's like. I can't change Won't you fly So that's one of the few movie times where it's like it kind of worked old. that they played damn near the whole song So, but back to the, the yeah. original point was that like yeah, it's, it's pretty common that like you might get five seconds Right of a song You know, it's not necessarily a key moment A minute's pretty good
0: Yeah uh, Would you rate it? Good, good. I gave this a solid four.
1: Solid um, four. Uh, like I said, I, I dig it a lot. Um, I'm actually glad it's on here though, and not on a Pearl Jam record because I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this on anything ahead of Ten yeah. or Verses. I like the fact that I have this song, but it's not on one of those two records. Because if it meant cutting a track off one of those, I wouldn't want it.
0: Good point. Good point. Yeah, it's a in betweener. Mm, yeah. yeah, it was to whet the appetite. Yeah, I gave it a solid four as well. Uh, nice. Awesome track. Uh, can't go wrong with Pearl Jam here, especially in this era.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. Well, after that, we have Overblown from Mud Honey. To me, Mud Honey is like the the grunge version of the band Black and Blue. Uh they the die hard they get so much praise and they're always referred to as underrated and how they they're just the epitome of all this stuff. But I've never heard a single thing from them that backed it up. And sure. I like Black and Blue, and I like Mud Honey. Yep. But I, again, perfectly rated it. I understand why they didn't become Nirvana sure, or, or, or Alice in Chains or Soundgarden or Pearl Jam. This, to me, is a, pretty much an MC5 song, which is not a, <laughs> not a, a, a bad thing. I think it's yeah. a, a pretty fun tune. Um, if you want my rating right now, because uh, I don't have much more to say about it, I gave it a 3.5 because I think it's a decent track.
0: Uh, I'd go with the 3.5 as well uh, Yeah, you gotta love this uh, The song, it starts off, it's kicking ass And then it's got those lines where Everyone loves our town yeah. Which was used as the uh, name of the book That I read that was the oral history Of the Seattle Grunge nice. sound Where I learned
1: about all these Yeah, bands. you recommended I read that and I still haven't <laughs>
0: I think it's a couple of the recommendations I've given you, and you've uh, you haven't taken me up on. Not yeah. There was the one bitch. other one.
1: You, uh, what the, the Jennifer book. Yeah, uh
0: book. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, once I learn how
1: to read. Those are the first two. <laughs> uh,
0: this might take a while. Uh, Trump twenty twenty.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Mud Honey though does help contribute to this album or this movie because they had the song "Touch Me," I'm sick. Which then we turn into Touch Me, I'm Dick Mm. by Citizen Dick, which was the parody of it, so... Exactly. But yes, I agree. Uh, Mark Arm uh, doesn't really give you a lot to, uh, you know, distinguish who he is or... uh, has a sound
1: all right coming up next is another Paul Westerberg track um, yeah. this is this is the one that actually gets used a lot more right correct uh, the ha
0: <laughs> this is actually the opening credit song and then it's used uh, different versions of it are used but that little movie.
1: part where he kind of does that thing like <laughs> uh-huh. yeah uh huh. The other one is, ha ha ha. This yes. one is like, uh uh-huh, that's uh-huh.
0: And that's one of the things so replacement kind fans. Of a one trick
1: pony if you think about well, it.
0: Well, that's what some of the replacement fans think about uh, uh, the soundtrack. Yeah, they go, well, they well, had
1: two songs.
0: Interchangeable a little bit, you know.
1: I will say this. It felt like, um, and maybe this this has a lot to do with probably more insider connections, right? Kind of like uh, uh, Nancy Wilson um, getting a soundtrack because she fucks her husband. Hopefully. Um, yeah, well, maybe at the <laughs> time anyway. Um, but uh, Paul Westerberg probably got grandfathered into this with the idea that like the replacements were definitely pivotal as far as influence in the whole grunge scene sure um and i think uh with the replacements breaking up shortly before this and him having this opportunity to do like some solo stuff for the first time it's more of that like it it doesn't seem like it was necessarily needed for this stuff but these are two kind of catchy like i said good pop songs i think he could have made a way more money just sitting in his home in in Edina, yep. you know, walking up to get cigarettes at the local, you know, Speedway, <laughs> and uh, writing songs for for people, but because uh, his delivery of these songs is what I like, yeah, but it's not what people like.
0: Right, you can, and I don't remember these really being played on the radio. No, these songs kind of in particular, but yeah. any
1: any of this stuff. Oh yeah, you know, and that, I'm just describing him as an artist. It's like I actually really enjoy the way he sings, and I, I love his snark yep. and, and the sarcasm, and yeah. and just that that Minnesota kind of like you know you can you, there's very much a symmetry between the attitude of lifestyles between Minnesota in Seattle. Oh, yeah. You know, which say kind of like, you know, <laughs> almost like uh, sarcastic depression. You know, and, and...
0: We're trapped in our homes for yeah. t- way too many months compared to yeah. LA.
1: And-, and it just... it, it when, when it comes out in art, it, it can be beautiful. But I, I do think he just had a natural hook for melody and yep. music and just telling almost like, almost beautifully devoid stories lyrically that were easily connectable. Almost like... The song by the Eagles, Life in the Fast Lane, you know how that's like a kind of a catchphrase now? That didn't right. exist before they wrote that. Mm. He is brilliant at that kind of like lyrical thing. Hmm. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Uh,
0: where are you on the replacements as far as. Oh, uh,
1: shit. Huge. Are
0: you on a scale of 1 to 10? You're an 11?
1: Yeah, probably 9.
0: 9? Okay.
1: Yeah. I, th- there are people who are way bigger fans than <laughs> I th- th- and, and know them deeper. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, they
0: made it onto Saturday Night Live and fucked that up. They got you know kicked off Saturday. Brilliant, night Brilliant, by though, the way. If anybody
1: has never watched that, um, first of all, yeah, they were banned from Saturday Night Live yeah. after that. But watch the closing credits. You can find it on YouTube. The closing credits of the replacements on Saturday Night yeah. Live. When you just watch, just watch the band and watch how they were treated by the like basically everybody. They they were basically like outcast. It's like well, it's their thing, but
0: yeah, yeah. So they they never quite made it. But you know, on the cred cred scale, you know they're through yeah, the roof. it's all
1: influence with them. Yeah, like if they ever get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's purely on influence. Man, we are <laughs> we are tangent heavy tonight, um, which is actually kind of my cup of tea. There we go. Uh, all right, so uh, Waiting we left for off- somebody. Oh, wait, so what do you rate it? Yeah, what did I give it a rating? I give it a three. A uh, three, three uh, Doc Martins. I go five again
0: with the Westerberg stuff. It's How just- about
1: three cigarettes put out in a cup of Starbucks coffee? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I give it, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of Seattle Seahawks now. I give it five uh, Bill Gates. Five Bill Gates, sorry. Five Bill Gates. Uh, just the power poppiness of it just Five me Windows over.
1: 95.
0: Windows 95. <laughs> <laughs> the ah, ah ahs just take me in. Yeah. So uh, next song up is uh, May This Be Loved by Jimi Hendrix and the Experience. It's a ballad, and when I want to listen to Jimi Hendrix, I want to hear the balls to the walls, rocking out. I want Foxy Lady. I want Fire. Uh, You know, that's the Jimi Hendrix I want. You know, Hey Joe. Uh, This just kind of takes it back. He's on, you know, chill
1: mode. And uh, it just
0: doesn't, uh, doesn't do the same for me as the songs I named before.
1: This is Pandering. (laughs) <laughs> this is tossing in Jimmy because of his loose connection with Seattle. Sure. Uh, and don't get me wrong, the guy was born there and grew up there. Yeah. But nobody thinks of Seattle right. when they think of G- oh, Jimmy Hendrix. You mean the guy from Seattle? <laughs> this is this is worse than, than Hart renaming themselves. <laughs> uh, here's my notes, literally yes. look at it right there. Okay. I'm off asleep. Is this even in the movie? I don't recall.
0: Uh, It was when uh, Campbell Scott and Kira Sedgwick are at his apartment, and they're just kind of talking.
1: Oh, is it the scene? Is it the scene where they're like, "Hey, let's play some music," and then they fall asleep once it starts playing? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) To me, this is just uh, this is the historic part. My rating. I've never gotten nothing lower than a one. Yeah? And that was only recently when I changed a three to a one. Okay. <laughs> on this episode. On this
0: episode, yes. This gets
1: less than one. Less Flat than out, one? Flat out fucking zero. Wow. Why did they put this on here? This is stupid. This song sucks. This sucks for Hendrix. This is the, This is not good. Hendrix, this is not good for the movie. This is in no way is good. This is just like, I bet you never heard this Hendrix song, yeah. which is another bullshit part of the whole yes. yes Alternative thing like, oh... Yeah, you're the one of those guys that only knows Foxy Lady. Have you ever heard <laughs> Waiting for Somebody? Of course I haven't. Or not. have you ever heard May This Be Love? Of right. course I haven't. Right. Why would anybody ever know this song?
0: Uh, it is on the Are You Experience? You know, know who you know forgot the
1: song? Yeah. Jimi Hendrix doesn't remember this song. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix well, heard it. Today. And then two minutes later said, he re- after he recorded, he's like, Jimmy, what do you think of your song, May This Be Love? And he's like, What? I don't know that song. <laughs> It's such a forgettable Henderson. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, uh, compared to the rest of his catalog, it's this catalog, this hard. is a footnote.
1: It no. insists upon itself, Andy. Yes. It insists upon itself. Pandering. Pandering.
0: Motherfucking Canary Crow. <laughs> <Literally>. You motherfucker.
1: <laughs> you love... You, uh, let me ask you this. In your day-to-day, yeah. day-to-day life, are you able to even think the phrase motherfucker without going to Craig Smith immediately saying it right after you?
0: Uh, I hear I hear his voice in my head, yeah, and actually I... And I recently did a uh, pods and sods episode, and uh, in the episode, Craig busts out the that motherfucker, and I was gonna start losing my shit, uh, and luckily I just kind of muted myself for a second to let uh, the laughter out, because he just he just
1: did it in his normal
0: uh, right yeah. the normal course of uh, the well podcast. it's his, it's him you motherfucker, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's in the back of my head now whenever I hear that.
1: So back to your thoughts on uh, may this be love by Jimi Hendrix. Uh, I give it a two. Wow, it's that, Hendrix, so that's it's too it, too many.
0: <laughs> you gotta give him some love, but there uh, is so
1: much music that guy recorded that like basically it's like turning a fuck press record and throw a guitar in his hand. Yeah, and let's just record this shit. Uh, and th- th- I get so much crap from Hendrix fans. Right. This guy did not fucking walk on water unless it was fucking frozen, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I also can do as a, as a Minnesotan, you know as well.
0: Uh, for the months of, right, uh, is des- it all about bugs December sucking th- into your mouth yeah, over there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the second bug uh, is going down my mouth. Uh, yes, yeah, so the, the in Minnesota, the months of December through February, you can walk in any water you want in the state.
1: Yeah, well, that uh, makes us as good as that guy named Jesus. There we go. We walk in water when it freezes. (laughs) Anyway, uh, not my joke, but anyway, let's get on to the next track. Um, This song, I think, sold, uh, you said what, two million copies? This album, two million copies, yes, sir. This is responsible for one million of them. This is a perfect song, and that is a Screaming Trees with Nearly Lost You.
0: the outlier on the song it's kind of uh <laughs> well for being a seattle guy i sucked in a bug oh. for being uh from seattle the screaming trees uh this is a little grunge light for me in mm-hmm. a little poppy you know we talked this about is kind
1: of like there. the the precursor to post-grunge yes. like with uh, the matchbox 20s yes eve sixes that kind of thing
0: good yes. point Clean vocals too, which is rare for a grunge. Uh, cleanish, cleanish. Yes. You can I hear Mark Lan- Lanigan. Am I pronouncing that right? Lanigan. Lanigan. Um, He's
1: got a very baritone uh, voice if you uh, get yeah, yeah. it Yeah. I'm like what I've never done this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I <nearly lost> <laughs>
1: We're grooving now yeah, in Papa's backyard.
0: Uh, so yeah, it's a little poppy compared That's to Utah, the rest gelati. of the Seattle, Seattle bands uh, on here. Um, but yeah, yeah this is my song. exposure
1: to them, by the way.
0: And uh, a little bit similar to their other song off of uh, Sweet Oblivion, uh, Dollar Bill, which was the other big... Oh,
1: group. man, I can't go deep on that record, although it's coming up, so I will be able to soon. So. Okay. Uh, although I, I do say this, I is think... Is it like the Limp Bizkit song, Dollar Bill, y'all? <laughs> uh,
0: what is it? Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog? Uh, that's a later what?
1: record, you rube. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yes, uh,
1: Toomey's so pissed at you right now.
0: <laughs> so, so I think the uh, the inclusion here of nearly lost you on the single soundtrack kind of hurt them, because Sweet Oblivion only sold three hundred thousand copies. I had
1: the same co- the same point. Yeah. Is like I actually think that like this probably helped this record more than it did them. Right, but I think it raised their profile. Uh, it, in a weird way, it hurt them. Like, because, like, it turned them into a one hit wonder. Yeah. That record is actually really good. Okay. Um, and I can't wait for the episode. This album, Front to Back, is great. Sweet Oblivion, you're talking about. Yep. Which the song also appears on. But it did more for this soundtrack, and it turned them into this, like, kind of, like, thing that wouldn't really be able to break out of that. Sure. I mean, it was a really cool video, um, and just a great. I mean, just don't you miss, like, when, like, a pop song could also rock. Yes, and just have kind of a rawness to it. And totally, that, that, that's something that grunge brought. Like with with, it started with Nevermind. Nevermind is a very poppy record, but though th- there's no loss of edge to that music, sure. and this song kind of follows that suit. And you know, the Pumpkins do too. Yeah, just coming up here, but all those bands, it's like they were able to like deliver these songs that people could relate to and resonate with. That also would only be those people that are like, oh, I love Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. You know what I mean? And, and that's a hard thing to do, especially now. Yes. Now it's like you never really get that. Even when bands do it, like I think Red Sun Rising is a band that, that, that when they were still together, did that. Yep. Bad Flower, I think, is a group that does that right now. Hmm. Um, these are kind of up-and-coming bands, and, um, and yet they're not really given that voice that 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 outlier. As much as they might have some success, yeah. they're never going to get that opportunity because this is a song that is just perfect. And I hear current bands do this kind of stuff, but we're so stuck in this idea that like, well, it has to be homogenized <laughs> and, and broken down. It's like we have we we basically call like, well, here's a here's a pop song, but I'm going to sing like this. Therefore, it's country. Right. Well, it's really not. It's just basically a country song sung by. I mean. With an uh, accent. W- was the Clash uh, punk because they, they sang with a cockney? <laughs> or were they just a band? They were a rock band, as yeah, far as no. I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I, I get you there with the Clash. Yeah, they were a rock band.
1: They- Sorry, Lamarel, Clash sucks balls. Uh- train in vain come on and apparently uh um uh, andy Shaw, uh <laughs> but nearly lost you man i give this one this, this this is five i i this is a double-edged starbucks gift card <laughs> because it 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 put them in the in the the conversation yep. and then it also made sure that they would never be more than this track yeah, I, I give Because it a, it's on the soundtrack and yeah. because it became big and it sold half of the copies of this fucking right. soundtrack. Uh, I give it a solid four. Well, as you know, I subsidize my life by printing, which is on paper, I, I right? think I've
0: heard that, yes. Yeah,
1: um, so I had this idea for a concert called Paperfest. Okay. And Screaming Trees was going to be the headliner because of the paper tree connection yeah. okay I, I,
0: I, I'm down with that I'm down with that
1: you, can't, can't, you gotta get up early to get something by Andy Shaw yes you do don't you know oh don't you know alright well mercifully the record closes with a Smashing Pumpkins tune Drown this song um just a sleepy closer i actually forgot it was on here i gave this one a 0 too a zero yep wow. i uh, i i i love the pumpkins and i love this era of the pumpkins especially yep. i don't ever want to hear this song again <laughs> it's probably a good closer because it should be played over credits when people leave. leaving <laughs>
0: Eight minutes and seventeen seconds. Yeah, again. I would never have
1: got that far into it. Yeah. Right. Like,
0: I, again, it just uh, with Mother Love Bone on here, you know, you're killing me with these eight minute song. Well, here's the the second part of that. So, eight minutes and seventeen seconds. The last two and a half minutes is just goddamn feedback. Yeah. And and squealing. You you take that piece out, the song's fine. Um, I think it's it's a solid song. I just give it a I give it a three. I think it's.
1: I Less don't really three love more it more than zero. <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: I don't really love it, but I think it's a solid I think it's a solid song.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm, not, I'm not somebody who hates Billy Corgan's voice. I love the Pumpkins. I mean yeah. uh well, I shouldn't say that. I love my era of Pumpkins. And they went on kind of like Pearl Jam did. They went and started doing stuff different than what I wanted from them. Sure. But I understood that it wasn't necessarily like, oh that fucking sucks. It was more like, well, now they've decided to be something that I don't want right,
0: which is okay too. They want to grow a different yeah. way than what you want to
1: hang on. Kind of to. like Sixpence on the Richer <laughs> was their entire career.
0: <laughs> Holy shit, we're going Sixpence None the Richer. Yeah, like, I'm sure that's an upcoming I never guest want on here. Uh, kiss
1: Me. That's <laughs> a, a
0: upcoming guest on the Hustle Podcast. I remember the, I'm sure. I remember
1: the first time I heard Kiss Me, and I was like, No. And never. <laughs> and I don't want any more. Um, I, I, I was like, you know, I heard your band name, and I thought, you might suck. And then I heard the song, and I'm like, well, I was right. I, you remember what the follow-up was, don't you? Absolutely not.
0: Uh, they did a version of The Jesus Laws. Jesus Christ,
1: you know this is.
0: Oh, yeah, man, come on. Pop Radio. Uh, they did uh, a version of The Laws, There She Goes, but cleverly they changed it to There He Goes. Okay, I mean, God damn it,
1: thanks a lot. It turns out I do know. There it's it's your gender flip
0: that you were talking about
1: earlier. Oh so clever. Yeah. He they should have like doubled down the like he used to be white but now he's Indian. Native American, please. Oh yeah, for enough. Or or we or no, he I, could I be. I was actually India. speaking Bangkok bitch. Uh, Bangalore. <laughs> <laughs> Bangalore. You know I hey you ever heard of Bangalore choir? No. Yeah, local guy, David Reese. He went on to sing for Accept.
0: Oh yeah, we're dropping all sorts of names
1: tonight. Yeah, we're all we're, we're, we, we got. We got black
0: it. and blue. We got sixpence the richer, none the richer.
1: Sixpence, none the richer. Uh, Andy, uh, I'd like to give the guest of honor the final word. Yes, sir. So I'm going to lead with my closing thoughts. Considering this is just a soundtrack, I don't feel it holds up as much as I had hoped. I I kind of remembered it a little bit more finely than it did on playback. And there's probably a reason why I haven't dropped this in my CD player in about ten years. It's got all the heavies as far as artists on here. You got your Allison Chains, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Pumpkins, and whatever. But for those bands in particular, "Wood" by Allison Chains is the only song that is one of the artist's greatest tracks. You know what I mean? It's it's a great representation mm-hmm. that someone would go back to. And personally, Wood Wouldn't" <laughs> pun uh, make my personal top ten from Allison Chains? Even though I think it's a great track,
0: really not even in your top ten. No,
1: no. Oh. I mean, I could easily come up with ten tracks that I would like better wow. than that. Um, the music works well th- throughout the movie though, so I guess it's probably a little more important. but as an album that lands on this list, I think it misses the mark, which might surprise you when we get to our rankings but um
0: I think it's a, a great a great snapshot of its time uh you know, and the fact that it's a compilation uh kind of gives it uh, a little unfair advantage compared to some of the other artists out here. Um, you know that you can have two songs from Pearl Jam, and you can have Mudhoney and Westerberg on here. So in that ca- in that respect, it's not really fair. But uh, I think it's a solid album. Uh, I think there's a couple clunkers on it, but uh, as you saw from my ratings, I found most stuff to be a four sure. or a five. So, so yeah, I'm quite fond of this. I uh, on the top twenty-five grunge albums, I ranked this as my number four.
1: And it came in at what nineteen? Is that where i
0: Nineteen at? on the Rolling Stone list. Yes, okay,
1: sir. so yeah, I, I moved it up as well. I mean, to fourteen, but largely because there's so many stuff on the front end that I moved down. Sure. Um, I almost I looked at it today. And I actually considered, uh, <laughs> we're hearing gunshots. <laughs> Someone's moving their trash. It's, it's actually just someone dumping something in the recycling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're all nervous here in the, in, in the cities, don't right. you know? Yeah, uh, <laughs> <I> don't know. <laughs> um, no curfew tonight. That's. I, I considered actually moving this down. And yeah. then I looked at what I was going to move it down past, and then I reconsidered. And I'm like, I'm going to leave it right where I had it when you and I first spoke. Because yeah. you know, I, I, I've, I've said from the get-go, you know, my list is going to be fluid. Oh, yeah. You know I get that luxury. Because as I listen, I'm going to listen to every record. Yeah. The guests aren't necessarily going to. But, um, yeah, 14 is where this thing is probably locked at. It's, it's not bad. It's got some good stuff on it. But as an album, I probably don't think it even belongs in the top 25.
0: Just because, because uh, it's a fucking soundtrack for a movie. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it. They should have kind of looked at, you know, handicapped it uh, as far as their rankings, um, because it is unfair to compare this to, uh, you know, a regular Pearl Jam album. Or, uh, why is Songbird and some...
1: Loud and Love not in the top twenty-five, but uh, this is a <laughs>
0: good question.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah, it, the, now I guess is a soundtrack from that era that represents. This timeline, right? I think is why they probably put it where they did, yeah,
0: well, think of it this way too. I mean, here you have a movie that just kind of captured that perfect time. Uh, a
1: rom com. It turns a, out a
0: rom com with uh, Seattle uh, grunge music in the background. It was either this or Airheads. What, what do you? What prefer? What do you? Well, prefer? what's the <laughs> other
1: one? Um, the one with the Winona Ryder on we talked about. That's, uh, reality bites. That's, I think it's a better movie, and I hate Winona on the
0: uh, I think that's great as far as a, a Gen Xer early '90s film, but uh, I still go with singles. Uh, Movie-wise. Hmm. Uh, and that soundtrack he- leans heavily on the 80s. What about
1: uh, that record store one um, that has all the, the... Oh,
0: Empire Records. Empire Records, that's not yeah, bad. It's an all right movie.
1: <laughs> what well, about Johnny Mnemonic? Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on speed? Uh, uh, too fast.
0: <laughs> too fast for love?
1: Yeah, they've got to slow it down. Okay. Uh, um well this was fun Andy um yeah, thanks, any man. any any uh any other uh thoughts on this album at all as far as uh you know whatever anything you want to talk about the time the, the songs the the movie whatever
0: Like I said uh this represents that perfect time for me I just graduated high school getting ready to go off to college so it's always going to have fun memories back uh, So
1: would you feel the same about this movie had you already had sex before seeing it <laughs> Maybe that's the difference between us, know, is that I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm guessing we probably got laid about the same age. Um, well, you yeah, know. Well, I, I, I could be judging. I'm just. It was a guess. Like I said, I'm about, if you graduate in 92, I'm about four years older than you. Yes. That means okay. I had recently gotten laid and saw this movie, and you, <laughs> by my judgment, were about to get laid and saw this movie. So... Would that have changed anything?
0: <laughs> uh, no, we're good on the, that answer. Uh, no, like I said, this is. I made uh, him uncomfortable, folks. Here we go. Uh, yeah,
1: you motherfucker. Your, you yeah, motherfucker. Your
0: sex life on a podcast. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm
1: not asking to name names, you fucking prick. What was her name
0: or his? Uh, their names. Yeah. Ooh, oh, nice. <laughs> uh no, it's just uh this is still back when m t v meant something uh you know, and videos you know were still a big thing on m t v wasn't all road rules and uh you know like yeah. said catfish mm. shows, so uh, yeah, this just brings back positive uh, times in my life,
1: although I don't know what year it was, but um the first m t v real world Hawaii there was a girl on my on that show, man. Her boobs got me through some really, really <laughs> tough times. So
0: her and Alison Stewart,
1: oh, yeah. a handful oh, of people, yeah. Okay. Allison Stewart really did it for me too. Yeah, yeah, she man. was
0: a very attractive young lady.
1: And, yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I did want to get into was the 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 reissue uh, of this actually included a whole bunch of bonus crap, but there's one tune that you kind of referenced earlier. Uh, uh, Touch me, I'm Dick. Touch me
0: But uh, yeah, no, this is uh, I, li- I like this album It's got some good stuff on it
1: Very good uh, Thank you
0: for having me on here, Bob
1: Absolutely, it's always a pleasure having you on, Andy Thanks, bro for- um, But um, I don't know, we should probably get going What do you think?
0: Uh, yeah, whatever
1: Alright, forget it, never mind
0: Couch pulls out, but I don't, you know.